This is the time when we really focus on the coming of Jesus Christ to earth. Do you know what year he was born? (laughs) Zero. No. He was born 3 B.C. So we don't know what year he was born. Other than the fact that we, we can know when Serenius was the governor of Syria. And we know some of these things. So the old church fathers did not get the year right. So really, this year, what is it? Is it only 2013 or is it 2019? (laughs) 19? Is it that way? I tried to figure it out the other day and I thought, well, I'll let you guys figure it out. So even our calendars, most of the world is on that kind of a calendar, the Gregorian calendar, and we got it wrong. And you know what? December 25th is not Jesus' birthday. We can almost swear on that. It was probably sometime in February. So we might as well pack up our presents and wait until February to give them. No, there's a lot of things about Christmas that are very lovely and we enjoy it. We get to be with our families. That's when families come together. But all there was was Mary and Joseph and the baby, Jesus. And they had no place to have a baby. So Christmas is kind of a uh, dichotomy. It's kind of a mixed feelings. In fact, you know, there are a lot of people that go into depression at this time of the year. And we need to continue praying for those people. And as they hear the story of a Savior, Jesus Christ, who has come, that they would be able to receive him and know the warmth and the acceptance that there is in Jesus Christ. And we are the best people to be able to convey that because we've experienced that. We know what it is to have joy when things are not going right. But we know that there is someone who can help us and is there for us. How many wise men were there? Most people say three. Well, there were three gifts. But, you know, there might have been 12. There might have been one, two. Two, I guess you'd have to have that. It does say wise men in the plural. And the Christmas tree, you know, I talked a few weeks ago about the, the lighted Christmas. I don't think that's a tree. It's just the decoration. How many lights are up there? And I challenged some of our people to count those. I'd like to know. I bet you there's 10,000. I mean, it is the most lit up display I've ever seen. Japan really goes all out for lights. I drove some friends home the other night down to Tanashi Station. Just lit right up. Where are they getting all the energy for that uh, electricity to run those lights? You know that, uh, and I hate to say this in front of my good friend John, Santa is a fake. (laughs) And you know, a lot of our Christmas carols 
have got it wrong as well. Checking out the words. You know, silent night. Uh, whatever, holy night, yeah. All is calm. You know that Bethlehem was not calm. There were hundreds of people that came to Bethlehem and there was no place for them to stay. There was chaos. Oh, little town of Bethlehem. How, still we see you lie. No, 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 no. Chaos. Because they were ordered by the Roman emperor, you must return to your hometown. And so this young couple were caught in the midst of that, being pregnant and about to give birth. That was Joseph and Mary. Unfortunate days. Let's read the story. I've asked Katie if she would come and uh, read that for us. Now, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus to register all the empire for taxes. This was the first registration taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. Everyone went to his own hometown to be registered. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David called Bethlehem because he was of the house and family line of David. He went to be registered with Mary who was promised in marriage to him and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in strips of cloth and laid him in the manger because there was no place for them in the Cataluma. Now there were shepherds nearby living out in the field, keeping guard over their flock at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were absolutely terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. Listen carefully. For I proclaim to you good news that brings great joy to all the people. Today, your Savior is born in the city of David. He is Christ, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in the manger. Suddenly, a vast heavenly army appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. On earth peace among people with whom he is pleased. When the angels left them and went back to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, that the Lord has made known to us. So they hurried off and located Mary and Joseph and found the baby lying in the manger. When they saw him, they related what they had been told about this child. And all who heard it were astonished at what the shepherds said. But Mary treasured up all these words, pondering in her heart what they might mean. So the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. Everything was just as they had been told. I'm going to pick out a uh, title for my message as, This Will Be a Sign for You. And we're going to talk about signs but we also want to talk about another particular location in Bethlehem that I don't think many of us 
have ever heard about before. This is not making a new story up. In fact, this place where Jesus was born was spoken of about 1,500 years before Jesus was born. Or was it known? Uh, 2,000 years, actually. The pastor is always right. We're going to talk about a tower. And this tower is very particular tower. We're going to talk about King Ahaz in regards to a sign and also the angel speaking to Joseph about a sign and the shepherds had a sign. And then we'll talk about the tower as it related to Jacob and Rachel in their lives. And then in Micah, the two prophecies about the tower. The uh, first sign in Isaiah 7, 10 to 14, given to Ahaz, king of Judah, Isaiah saying to him, ask a sign for yourself from the Lord your God. Make it deep as hell, or Sheol, or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, nor will I the Lord. Then he said, listen now, O house of David, is it too slight a thing for you to try the patience of men that you will try the patience of my God as well? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son and she shall call his name Emmanuel. This is the one that, that Katie was referring to that was 700 years before Jesus' birth, talking about this sign. It was at the end of the peak of the kingdoms of Israel as well as Judah. They were corrupted, they were broken down, and ready to collapse. And this king Ahaz was a king so self-centered as a 20-year-old king and had basically, coming to the throne, bankrupted the kingdom. And much worse than that, if you want to read some of the details, very, very gross things that this king did. Next to Manasseh, Ahaz was the worst king that Judah had. Isaiah says to, to the king, ask for a sign. He needed something because a couple of nations were coming after him. But he says, I'm not going to reveal the truth about God. In fact, he was a God-hater. Basically, he had contempt for the temple, contempt for the God of Judah. But he was of the line of David. And so Isaiah says to him, O house of Israel, is it too slight a thing for you to try the patience of men that you will try the patience of my God as well? And the sign was, behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. God with us is the, name, is the meaning of that name. Why would God give this to a king like this? There's only one thing that I can think of to give those people 
who were followers of the living God, hope that this was not the end. That there was hope and don't give up. This sign was a great sign to them because throughout the centuries they had been looking for a savior ever since the beginning of the world. Remember the words that God spoke to the serpent and said, her seed shall be against your seed. Meaning Eve's seed would fight against the seed of or the ancestry of Satan. Satan will bruise his heel, but this child will crush the head of the uh, serpent. A promise, a promise, a promise. And that's what all of those who were followers of the God of heaven were trusting in. This promise, a hope. And this is what God was giving as a sign that those who really trusted had something to hang on to because for the next 70 years they were going to be put down, put in bondage, made slaves, but God had given them hope. The second sign, Matthew 1, 18-25. We're jumping ahead now by 700 years. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. And he took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. That's the prophecy that was taken that, behold, a virgin shall be with child. Joseph received that as hope and also as an answer to his shame. You know, when Mary sat down and shared what the angel had said to her, can you imagine what kind of a man Joseph was? The Bible says he was a righteous man. And he didn't want her to be shamed. But he took that shame and he kept her as a virgin. But secretly he was going to put her away so that he could go on with his life. But the angel had intercepted with a sign, a promise of a savior. 
That so speaks of what God has for us. None of us are righteous. There's been things that we have done that we are not proud of. And they eventually come out. They're revealed to everyone. God, righteous God, is the only person that can relieve us of our human shame and give us hope and be able to go on in life. Luke 2.10 through 12, that part of it has already been read for us. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. Listen carefully, for I proclaim to you good news that brings great joy to all the people. Today, your Savior is born in the city of David. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in a manger. Okay, back on the back uh, bookcase there, we see a, uh, a manger scene. Yeah, you can look at it. But... Uh, in fact, Katie and I bought one many, many, many years ago, and we put it up for our children. And we, it, ours also had camels and a star. And in fact, I even fixed the star on the manger scene. Now I told you that there's a bunch of myths about Christmas. There was no star above the manger. That was a year or two later that that happened. And by that time, Mary and Joseph were living in the house. See how mixed up we get? Even your pastor got mixed up. But what was the sign for them? I had always thought that they went from door to door. Hey, does anybody know where the baby is born? And going from house to house to house. Well, the town of Bethlehem was already in chaos, let alone these shepherds coming down all excited because he's seen a bunch of angels and the angels had told them there was a baby to be born. What was this sign? You will find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth. Okay, I think that's a hint. That is a hint for us. But, you know, they knew exactly what that meant. They knew where the place was. And they did not knock on any doors. In fact, they probably tiptoed past some people that were hunkered down underneath somebody's porch trying to sleep for the night to go by them to go to a tower. This tower was a special tower. In fact, it was hundreds of years old when Mary and Joseph found this tower. And that's where they had the baby. This tower is called the Tower of Migdal or the Migdal Eater. Genesis 3:35, 19 to 21. Going back to Rachel and Jacob, that tower was there long before Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Jacob had wandered here and there with, with his wife, and they finally had come to Bethlehem where she was giving birth to their last child, Benjamin. She died in childbirth. Jacob, in his sorrow, buried his wife. And then he, it says, 
Jacob set up a pillar at her grave. It is the pillar of Rachel's tomb, which is there to this day. Israel, Jacob, traveled on, journeyed on, and pitched his tent beyond the tower Migdal Eater. It probably looked like this. A pile of rocks built up and inside with a covering on the top. This tower was used by the shepherds to look out over the fields, these huge flocks. This was just beyond Bethlehem, but still within the vicinity of Bethlehem to be counted as under the jurisdiction of Bethlehem. This tower was a special tower. The shepherds that the angels spoke to were actually very special shepherds. They were temple shepherds who raised sheep for the animal sacrifices in the temple. In fact, Migdal Eder is located just five miles from the sheep gate going into Jerusalem. And that's where they'd lead these lambs to go in. But they were especially for the temple worship, these lambs. And with them being born in this place that was safe and out of the cold and danger, the lambs were born in the Migdal Eder. And they were wrapped in strips of cloth to, after they'd been born. After they'd been expected, yes, okay. Uh, because they were temple shepherds, they knew what the requirement of the law was, that there be no blemish, there be no deformity in these lambs. They were perfect. So they would be wrapped in these strips of cloth in order to protect them from hurting themselves or from getting a blemish. It's that place that Joseph and Mary found that was empty. And that's where Mary had her baby. But she had nothing to wrap him in, so she took those swaddling, those strips of cloth to wrap the baby. You saw the picture in the beginning there of the baby tightly wrapped. This was the sign that the shepherds knew for certain it's that place. And what about that place? Jesus, Savior, Lamb of God, coming to a place where animal sheep were born and raised. Jesus began his life in that place. That was the purpose that he came, as a sacrificed lamb for every man, woman, and child. That's what was so special about this tower. That is so special about the fact that Jesus came not as a king. He came not as one who was coming to fight off the devil, but he was a savior, a sacrifice for us on the cross. And became for us a savior. That was his sole purpose in coming. That's the focus. Migdal Eder. In Micah 4.8, it says, And you, O tower of the flock, or Migdal Eder, the stronghold of the daughter of Zion, to you shall come, even the former 
dominion shall come, the kingdom of the daughter of Jerusalem. In Micah 5.2, But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are one of the littlest clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to rule in Israel, whose origin is from of old, from ancient days. That's the promise. That's the purpose. That's why Jesus Christ came. This is the Christmas story. This is the truth. This is what all these other things that we've put into Christmas don't fit into the narrative that God intended for his son. Now, I'd like to apologize and say, I'm sorry I spoiled your Christmas. But I'd also like to know that this truth is what we have to proclaim to our friends. Not that we're going to go around bashing Christmas trees. Not that we're going to just spoil someone's Christmas. But to bring depth and truth and understanding of why Jesus truly came. God bless you this Christmas season as you think of this. Go on the internet. You can find, type in Migdal Eater or Tower of Eater. And there's several write-ups on this. Two years ago, we never even heard about this, Katie and I. We're, we're Bible college graduates. Nobody told us. But I'd read many times through Micah and never understood this. But I think it's an opportune time for us now begin to understand what the truth is of Christmas. God bless you and the time that you have with your family and the time that you gather around and sing about Jesus. Sing through some of those words that don't really make a lot of sense if we believe this story. But the truth is he is our Savior. He has come for us. He's come for those whom we love and want to see and spend the rest of eternity with. God bless you this, this Christmas season. May his truth be in your hearts. And may you know that he is a Savior that came for us to give us eternal life, to pay the price of our sins, to be the once-for-all sacrifice, better than the sacrifices of animals. Jesus Christ gave himself for us. And a better truth than that is that he's risen from the dead. He's alive today. And in heaven, John sees him, the man of heaven. I want to be there. I know I'll be there. I want all of you to be there. And we'll worship the Lamb of God who made us part of God's family. That's the joy of Christmas. That's what Joe is rejoicing about with his dad coming to the Lord. That's what we all appreciate so much about this time of the season, that people are, their, their ears are open. If you want a copy of the write-up a good friend of ours did of the Tower of Edor, we have that and we can get it to you. The best way to do it would be 
by internet. You know, everything's by internet these days. So if you want that story or those facts, our friend Elsa Henderson put that together for us two or three years ago. And uh, it has blessed us. And I know it will bless you to read through some of those details. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your truth. We thank you for what you have done for us in sending your son Jesus to be the sacrifice lamb, to give his life, that we might have life eternal. We thank you for this time of the year and the opportunities that we have of sharing some truths. And so we pray that you'll bless each one this week. May this be a blessing as we retell it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.